everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast, where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about the Zika virus with Blossom Demania, the incoming Vice Dean of Research at the UNC School of Medicine. The Zika virus has been in the news for the past several months, and as the weather gets warmer and we get closer to the Summer Olympics in Brazil, the conversation around it has just increased. So let's just kind of start by discussing what Zika virus is and what diseases it causes. So uh, Zika virus is an emerging insect-borne disease. It was actually discovered back in 1947, over 50 years ago, but hasn't been much in the forefront of research until as of late. So Zika is associated with two diseases that we know of, um, including Guillain-Barre syndrome and microcephaly, where mothers give birth to infants um, that have smaller heads. So we've known about Zika for more than 50 years, but never really had this kind of attention before. What's causing the rise? We don't quite understand that. It may be that Zika has been circulating all this time and hasn't caused disease, but lately there could be cofactors or environmental factors that have emerged that may cause more severe disease with Zika, as people are reporting currently. People weren't looking for Zika. There was never any association with disease. So I think part of it is that we didn't know that it was around and it was circulating. Right now, there are people who postulate that perhaps there are other factors that are helping Zika cause disease, such as antibodies against dengue virus, which is a related flavivirus. And so these antibodies against dengue virus might be binding Zika virus and inadvertently pulling it into the cell so the cell can get infected with Zika. So this is one possibility as to why we're seeing Zika disease associations now rather than previously. Okay, so let's say I get bit by a mosquito. What sort of symptoms should I be looking for to see if I possibly have the Zika virus? Am I going to start feeling sick or get a rash at the bite? Actually, most people who are bitten by a bug and have Zika transmitted don't show any symptoms. So 75% of the population don't even know that they have Zika virus. And only a few people will have fever and, and rash and things that you just mentioned. So yeah, so most of the transmission events are silent and their immune systems will clear it. But there is a possibility that you might be able to transmit it to other people, you know, sexual transmission is one route. And so there's always that possibility. So even if if you're feeling healthy and, and, and no effects of Zika, you might still be able to transmit the virus. When it's a virus that really has no noticeable symptoms for the average person, but can be transmitted sexually, is that one of the key ways that it's spreading to other parts of the world? Sexual transmission is definitely a route by which Zika spreads, but most likely it's easier for it to spread by mosquito bites, and particularly the Aedes aegypti mosquito, which has been circulating in the Americas for a long time now. So we think that the most common route of infection would be mosquito bites. But yes, sexual transmission will also play a role in the transmission of Zika. So then if these mosquitoes that mostly live in South America are the main culprit to the spread of Zika virus, how is Zika getting to the United States? A lot of it is that travelers from South America coming into the U.S. who already have Zika. 
And some of these have been women who were pregnant and have delivered in the U.S. So I think currently, as of yesterday, there were six babies born to Zika-infected women. Um, three of them were preterm, so they weren't actually born. And then the other three have microcephalies. What exactly is the virus doing that's causing these birth defects? So we believe that those kinds of things aren't clearly known. For example, we don't know what happens during pregnancy when Zika infects a woman uh, or if the woman has Zika prior to conception. These are things that are under investigation, so still remains to be determined. I also think that there's a role in which the virus might be crossing the placenta of the infected woman and into the infant and entering the neuronal cells inside the infant. And perhaps that's what's stunting the neuronal cell growth and therefore causing the microcephaly. Like you said before, we still don't know a whole lot about it. So research on the virus has really picked up in the past several months. And Carolina has really established itself as one of the key players in that research. How exactly has the School of Medicine been able to step into this so quickly? So here at UNC Chapel Hill, we're very fortunate to have world-class leaders in both infectious diseases and virology. And so they've been actively working to understand the biology and transmission of Zika virus and other flaviviruses like dengue, West Nile, and also a different family of viruses like chikungunya. So I think we're very fortunate that we have such experts on campus and they were ready to go and and do research on Zika to figure out um, how it's being transmitted and what we can do to prevent that. There are a couple of people here at UNC, Helen Lazier and Aravinda De Silva. And Helen had been studying Zika prior to when she came to UNC and she brought that research with her. Aravinda had been studying dengue, which is a related flavivirus, and so it was essentially a no-brainer to pick up Zika and start working with that as well to understand how that virus is functioning. I think it's wonderful that we have people at the forefront of infectious disease research studying Zika and trying to understand its biology and transmission. People in infectious disease are also studying transmission of this virus, and they are working primarily in South America because that's where the disease burden and transmission is the highest. We anticipate that over the summer, as mosquitoes start arriving in the southern United States, that that will also amplify here. But right now, we have several teams in Colombia and Nicaragua where um, Zika transmission is occurring, as well as Brazil. And they're trying to understand, um, you know, sexual transmission as well as maternal to fetal transmission. Researchers at the School of Medicine just received some new grants that will help them dive into Zika virus a little bit more and understand it a little bit better. What exactly are they working on right now? We're covering a lot of things from how does Zika affect neuron cells to how is it transmitted from the mother to the child, as well as how is it transmitted sexually. So all different uh, realms of Zika biology. All three of these cause disease and transmission, and we want to know how to block the disease caused by Zika when it infects neuron cells, for example, and also how to block transmission, which is a biggie. The first grant is with respect to looking at the effects of Zika virus on the adult brain. And this grant essentially examines what Zika does to neuronal stem cells and also looks at the effect of Zika virus using a model system. And so they're examining the properties of neural stem cells in the adult hippocampus during Zika pathogenesis. 
And uh, the second thing that they're also trying to do is evaluate the functional and structural integrity of newborn neurons compared to adult neurons. So they're comparing what's different when Zika infects an adult neuron cell versus a newborn neuron cell. The next one examines maternal fetal transmission of Zika, and primarily they're doing this in Colombia and Nicaragua. So they're evaluating emerging Zika virus epidemic in Colombia in pregnant women and the natural history and risk of fetal transmission, as well as any adverse birth outcomes like the microcephaly. They're also defining the maternal humoral immune response, which is essentially the antibodies that the mother makes to Zika virus and whether that impacts pregnancy. And then the last grant is another a group studying infectious disease transmission of Zika, and they're characterizing viral shedding of Zika from the genital tract because they're trying to understand how it's sexually transmitted. So they'll track shedding from the genital tract over time. And then they'll also characterize compartmentalization of Zika from the genital tract and elucidate transmission patterns. And what they're going to do is sequence the virus to figure out the strains of the virus and if they change over time. So whether is Zika evolving over time or whether it's staying the same. We're working on diseases that are prevalent not just in the United States, but all over the world. And something like Zika just shows you that you have to really look forward and, and think globally because this virus really wasn't a concern for North America until very recently. And now with summer approaching, people are worried that it's going to spread in North America very quickly. So by studying a virus that had originally affected South America, we are now prepared better to handle the epidemic if it does come to the United States. So we want to think globally. We want to work on diseases all over the world because you never know when we in the U.S. will need to fight those diseases. We want UNC to be at the forefront of fighting the Zika outbreak and epidemic. We have the expertise here to do that, and we need to capitalize on our experts and the research infrastructure in the School of Medicine to really work on this. So then what's the goal in all this research? Is it to simply just understand the virus better or is it to find a vaccine to prevent the problems that it causes? I think both. Um, I think we want to understand it better and that's the basic science aspect of it because we need to understand the biology of the virus in order to develop a vaccine or a therapeutic such as an antiviral which would be a drug that you could give people to stop transmission of the virus or prevent it from doing damage to the neuronal cells. So I think we want to do both basic science and translational research because the basic science feeds the design of vaccines and antivirals. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. And don't forget to check back to unc.edu in two weeks for a new episode of Well Said.